I missed it. I had it. Oh, I, oh, a little bit. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Baptist Church. It is so good to be back with y'all. Um, it is a great day to be alive and to praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Let's stand and praise the Lord together, shall we?
Welcome to First Baptist Church in Coronado. We're so glad to see each one of you. Would you do me a favor? Would you turn to the person on one side or the other of you and say, it's so good to have you at First Baptist Church today. Thank you. Go ahead and have a seat. So glad to have you here. This is the official Christmas season. We're starting to get decorations put around and, and all of that, so we're glad for that. Welcome to the Christmas season at First Baptist Church. Teens, you're having your class out on the patio right now, so all the teenagers, uh, the teen department is meeting right now on the patio. You're invited to go ahead and be dismissed to that. I've got a lot of announcements, so sit back and take it easy. If you need to get a cup of coffee and a donut, go ahead and do that. Uh, several things. We're going to be preaching today on the beginning and the end, the beginning of the creation of God and beloved son. Those are the titles we're going to talk about as we're studying the names and titles of God, and right now we're in the New Testament. Then we're going to be having communion, the Lord willing, at the end of the service, so that gives you time to make sure things are right in your own heart. The Bible says that we're to examine ourselves, we're to make sure that we're right with God, right with each other, so that we can partake of communion without partaking of judgment upon ourselves because of doing so unworthily. And then no military meal today. Merry Christmas, no meal. Sorry about that, guys and gals. Here's what she, Ryan said would be a good idea is to hook up with two or three or four of you and go somewhere and have a meal together today. But uh, we, we wanted to give them off today, and so we're glad for, uh, for that. And I appreciate, by the way, I appreciate Ryan and Hope every week doing the meals for the military. That's, that's a lot of work, and I know some of you bring desserts. So let's give them all a hand for doing that. It's a great ministry to those who protect us and serve. Uh, tonight, Julie's in the last performance at the, uh, at the Prado. Is what the, and Debbie, too. Yeah, now, you see, you're, I can't hear you all at one time. So I, <laughs> It's December nights, uh, formerly like uh, Christmas. It's still a Christmas theme, okay? Uh, so she'll be playing there, and Debbie's going to be singing there, right? So, yay, yeah, all right. So you're welcome to join that, and make sure you leave plenty of time to commute to get there. Then check out your bulletin for all the, the things that we need to be taking care of this week. Now, if you are a first-time guest at First Baptist Church, or maybe the first time in a long time, would you please do us a favor? Or maybe you have a prayer request or some questions that you want answered about what we believe or why we believe it. Whatever it is, whatever the purpose, these cards are in the seat backs in front of you. Please take those, fill them out, let them know you're here, let us know you're here. Uh, we just appreciate having visitors, and if you have some questions, go ahead and fill those out. Also, uh, this coming Saturday, Sarah Simmons uh, is a missionary to Restricted Access Nation. That's Tim and Sharon Simmons' daughter, and she's going to be having an open house at her home. So these are on the uh, back table, the welcome table. If you want to get that, it's got the address, the times from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. open house. Uh, go and find out. It's pretty exciting. 
what she's able to do. I'm not going to say with live streaming what she does right now, but it's ministry to restricted access nation, and uh, we've, we've helped her out. First Baptist Church supports uh, Sarah, so if you can do so, go ahead and do so. Also, on the back table, there are some Christmas tracks. You can enclose them with Christmas cards. You can give a track, money to bell ringers you come across. You can attach a candy cane and share it with retail store clerks or leave a track at restaurants for the servers. That's really a cool thing to do. If you leave a good tip, also, leave the, leave the track. It says First Baptist. If you don't leave a good tip, do not leave a track. It says First Baptist Church. Carry one from some other church in town and leave, leave that there. But don't leave it with First Baptist. Uh, give the baked goods to your neighbors, put the card on it, whatever. The tracks are back there. Uh, take, take as many as you would like as long as you use them. Put them into, into play. We'd appreciate that. Next Sunday, be preaching on Emmanuel, Mighty God. Uh, youth projects so far uh, to, to redo some stuff. Actually, there's more stuff out there we're going to have to redo, we found out. The one awning is going to have to be replaced uh, so uh, we were looking at about 5,000, 3,000 of which is in. There's going to be a little bit more than that now, but we'll tell you that later on. Teachers and workers, so, so vitally we need some more teachers and workers. Please consider whether God would have you to be a helper or a teacher in a class so that it doesn't all fall on the shoulders of one or two extremely faithful people that are willing to do it. Uh, let's, let's make sure we spread it around, and God will bless you for that, I know. Okay, Saturday... Uh, the 17th, we're going to have a family movie and meal night. It's a feel-good type, and it's not, uh, it's not like the nativity or something like that, it, but it's a very good family-type film. We'll have a meal here together. We're going to show you a trailer in a minute, but not right now. Uh, I do want to say this. Um, the so-called Respect for Marriage Act that was passed by Congress, done so by a lame, lame duck Congress, done so with the support of several Republicans, I think 12 different Republicans, it's more accurately labeled the Disrespect of, America, of Marriage Act. Uh, it defines marriage now as anybody who wants to marry anybody, uh, regardless of whatever their gender, sex, or anything else is. Um, it's going to open the door. And I will, I mean, I've heard people say this, and I believe it's true. It's going to open the door for persecution for Christian businesses that do not want to do business like bake, cake bakers and uh, photographers and, and different ones who don't want to necessarily participate and glorify certain kinds of activities. Uh, and then it's going to uh, potentially be a problem for Christian universities, Christian colleges, Christian churches, uh, Christian ministries of all kinds, probably navigators and other different ministries will be affected. So uh, we need to be praying for our country. We may be well on the road to judgment uh, for national sin, sin of abortion, sin of uh, of gender confusion and so on, trying to undo what God has done. The natural order uh, for marriage, according to the word of God, is one man for one woman and not multiple, not, uh, not same sex. God is the one who established that institution before any other, before government, before any other institution. He established marriage. So just wanted to say that. Uh, so keep yeah, keep praying for this country. We are in dire straits. And to tell you what, uh, I hope you're praying for our president. I hope you're praying for our governor. I hope you're praying for those who do pass the laws that we have to live by. We're encouraged to pray for them. All right, we have, uh, I told you we had a lot of announcements, uh, but uh, we have some folks who have become members uh, recently, and I'm going to ask that these 
folks, as I read your name, if you would come up here, and there are quite a few, which is exciting. Uh, so if you would come and stand up here. Pat, would you help me with this? And uh, maybe Margie, would you mind helping me with this also? Because quite a few. Huh? No? Okay. Uh, could, maybe uh, Steve, you could help us with that. Okay. For membership, Jerry Machen. All right. Sandra Cora. Shane Tobby. Oh, you know what? I didn't sign these. Okay. I'll read your name, and then you come on up. Oh, man, I messed that up. Uh, Linnea Luapeke. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. I'll sign these and get them out next week. That one's signed. These are not. I think these are, though. Let me, let me see these. We got a bunch of people. Hi. <laughs> and Shane Tobby for baptism. And Shane's not here today. All right. Uh, boy, way to be prepared, Pastor Bays. <laughs> Natalia Rodriguez. Natalia, you here? The ones I have signed are not here. Okay. <laughs> Katie. How about that? Katie? Yay. All right. Katie Gross. Mason Holmes. Mason, didn't I see you? Maybe not. Liz Holmes. Probably with Mason. All right. There you go. And Isaiah Emma Noel Mora. All right. Well, let's see. For, for a, a really not well done job, would you give these folks a hand? I, I, my part was not well done. So I will put those in the office and sign those. Thank you, guys. God bless you. We're sure glad for you. All right. Let's stand together and sing before I lose it completely. <laughs>
Thank you, Grace Team. That's absolutely beautiful. Thank you so much. What a great truth. And uh, kids, if you'll come on to the front while moms and dads are seated, all the boys and girls come up here. And again, to those new members, I was so excited. We had like 12 to 15 brand new members, and I was all excited to get all the membership certificates out, and I forgot to sign the certificates. So my apologies. I It's a trick, really, to get you to come back next week so I can pass them out then. Okay, boys and girls, how many know what Christmas is all about? What's it all about? Zach? Presents. It's about presents. What do you think? It's about Jesus' birthday. That's, that's right. And, and presents. And God gave us the best present ever when he gave us the Lord Jesus Christ to be our God and our Savior. So we've asked some kids uh, what the, some thoughts about Christmas and asked them some questions. And we're going to see it on the screen right now. Can you all see the screen? Can you all look up here? Ellie, can you see the, t- the screen up here? I don't think so. All right. Let's go ahead and watch right up here. This is for you. Once upon a time, baby Jesus was born. Mary. This is Jesus. <laughs> Mary? No. <laughs> um, Adam? Mike? Claude? Joseph? Joseph. How did they get to Bethlehem? I think I'm a they walked. They had to ride on horses for days. The fairy came down, and then they flied, and then the fairy flied. Why did they stay in a stable? He got there, and he said, do we have a home? And he said, that's the only place. And the homekeeper said, there's no rooms left unless you don't don't care if you sleep where the sheep and the cows live in. And they tasted it, and it was all stinky. And do you know what kind of animals they had? Cow, lambs, sheep, a horse, two donkeys, goat, pigs. And then when Mary was sleeping, she had the baby Jesus. And when the cows awoke, then the baby, the baby was born and laying in the manger. You know what? Jesus turned out to be their own, to be their own child. Away in the manger, there was no blankets, only the same. I thought I can sing. What was the baby wearing? A blanket. Just clothes. Raincoat. A gold circle on his head. A hat and white clothes. How did the shepherds find the stable? There were shepherds watching sheep and then a bright star in the sky. Stars! Went to them. And other planets? And it was as bright as day. The angel said, follow the star. 
the star that sh shines above him is the sign for the only Jesus. Who came to see Jesus? The fairy? Yeah, an angel on, on top of the roof. Noah. Amy could. The wise men. What gifts did they bring Jesus? A blanket. They bought him food, water, and like stuff he could play with. A bottle and some toys. Baby food? Rattle. They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Happy birthday, Jesus. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jesus. Happy birthday to you. All right, boys and girls, that's what it's all about. Jesus' birthday. So let's, let's bow our heads and pray to him, okay? Let's pray. Our Father, we're so grateful and thankful for Jesus and for the fact that you gave him to us so that we could have a Savior and we could have eternal life. Lord, we pray you bless these kids and help them always to remember that Jesus is a wonderful, wonderful Savior. And it's in his name we pray, amen. God bless you. Go ahead and go to your classes now. Thank you for being here today. So good to have you. All right, we have a family film night coming up. So one more trailer, and then we'll be able to get into the Word of God, okay? So one more trailer for our family film night coming up. And okay, everyone, be food. I want Merry Christmas on three. One, two, three. Merry Christmas. Seventeenth, and be sure to sign up for that. There will be food also available. Today, beginning and the end, the beginning of the creation of God and the beloved Son, the titles that we're going to go over. I almost put this message on a back burner uh, for a few weeks because I wanted to get into the Advent season, I wanted to get into the Christmas spirit and uh, the Christmas theme, 
uh, this actually, this message was done in rough form a couple of weeks ago, uh, but I didn't pull the message because of the last two points when we talk about God uh, and the beloved son. So after that, we're going to be preaching on wonderful counselor and almighty God next week, Emmanuel. But for now, consider Jesus, who is the beginning and the end. This will be kind of a brief point to begin with in today's message because we discussed the titles Alpha and Omega not long ago. And Alpha and Omega are the first and the last letters in the Greek alphabet. And so the beginning and the end, very similar to Alpha and Omega. You might remember one of the references we used was Revelation chapter 1, verse 8, where Jesus says, I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending. In other words, he is the head or the cause of creation, and he is the end of the work of redemption. And the Lord said, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. In other words, uh, the Lord was the existing one. He is the one who has always been, and he is the one who is coming and always will be. So it's one Savior, uh, always has been, is existing, and always shall exist. In Revelation twenty-two thirteen, I am Alpha and Omega, and here he ties in this title of beginning and end. And he ties in another one, the first and the last. So Jesus is speaking, if you have a red letter edition of the translation of scriptures, and he's introducing himself, in our vernacular it would be, in other words, he's saying, I'm, from, I'm A to Z. I am totally everything. I am everything that's important. I'm everything that's valuable. Uh, alpha being the first letter in the Greek alphabet is the beginning of all revealed truth. It's the beginning of all promises made. And it's uh, the beginning of all testimonies committed to mankind. So it also references creation. Jesus is the cause for creation. Now, some people get a little bit confused about this, and they say, well, uh, you know, it had to be God the Father because Jesus wasn't born yet. Jesus wasn't born until a few thousand years after uh, the creation, but that's not the case, as we'll find out in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, in the beginning, uh, and that word for beginning is arche, or the beginning of God's time of creation, uh, in the beginning was the word, the logos, Jesus was the living Word of God. This is the written Word of God, but Jesus is the Word of God personified. Jesus is the living Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God. In other words, comes or proceeds from God, and the Word was God, and there, the word for God is Theos, Theos, the omnipotent God, uh, equal to the Old Testament Elohim. So the same was in the beginning with God. And, and this verse, the same was in the beginning with God, is a difficult one, commentators say, to translate. Uh, it, it really should not merely read as connoting that the word was in the presence of God, but rather that there existed a kind of interactive reciprocity between the word of God, which is Christ, and God, which is the Father. And, of course, we can mention the Holy Spirit that brooded upon all of creation at the same time. So all three parts of the Godhead were involved. We say, well, how can Christ be involved 2,000 years, 3,000 years, or 4,000 years before he was even born? How can that happen? Well, because he, as we studied uh, not too many weeks ago, uh, appeared in pre-incarnate form oftentimes as the angel of Jehovah. Jesus has always existed. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus is the beginning and the end. He has always been here. He's always been with God. So there's that interactivity between the word, Logos, and God, Elohim. And all things 
were made or caused to come into existence by him. So Jesus Christ was, was personally active in the creation of all of the things in the universe that we see and all of the life forms on earth. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, Zoe, uh, because he is the living word, and this life was the light of men. So the true light came through Christ. The true light of knowledge, the true light of integrity, the true light of intelligence, the true light of willing subjection to God, the true light of love to him and to fellow creatures, wisdom, purity, love, joy, all those things came because of Jesus Christ. God who at sundry times and divers manners spoke in time past unto the fathers by the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son whom he has pointed heir of all things, and by whom also he made the worlds, or he produced the worlds. So here's this Logos, the living word of God. Here's Jesus, back before there was a, a universe, back before there was an earth, back before there were any stars or planets in the sky. Here was Jesus creating by the spoken word, causing the universes to appear, causing uh, the life forms to appear, causing light to appear. That's Jesus. So the Logos existed before the world began. The Logos and the Father have a unique relationship. They are co-equal and co-existent and, and in essence are identical. And the Logos and the Father are in complete agreement and unity. So he is the absolute beginning. If it what we have in Genesis 1 and John chapter 1 talking about creation is we have Jesus being the originator of it all. And, and it's, it's not like we might, get, we might think, well, he's the beginning, so he was the first thing created. If he's the beginning, he's the first thing created. That's not the case. He is the originator of all things created. The beginning of creation was because he willed it and he spoke it into existence. So he has always been. He is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the end. We're not here to be happy. I've heard that so much lately. It's like, uh, you know, people talking about what makes you happy. What makes your wife happy? Happy wife, happy life. Someone said yesterday, uh, and a couple of other people snickered. And uh, I, I don't know what all. But, uh, but the, the fact of the matter, we're not put on the earth to be happy. We're not put on the earth to be successful, whatever that might be. We're put on the earth to glorify God, and that's what we ought to do. That's what we ought to, as Christians, do, is to let our light shine, the reflected light of the eternal Son of God shining in our lives and shining into the lives of a dark world that's all around us. So uh, our purpose is to glorify God. By producing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. I was talking to Ryan this morning with one of the servicemen who was here, and he's talking about uh, the fact that, uh, that he was discipled by a navigator, and now he's involved in discipling, and, uh, and that's the way it's supposed to work, as we take people under our wing, as we, we teach them and, and pour into them and witness to them and show them how to live the Christian life how to go through difficult times, how to go through good times in a proper way. Uh, we're here to glorify God by producing fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus is all we need to do that. He is our everything. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the alpha. He is the omega. He is the first and he is the last. Second thing here, he's the beginning of the creation of God. There's going to be a little bit of overlap with what we just said. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14, 
unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans. And remember, the Laodicean church, was it a real ultra-spiritual church? No. Was it doing okay? No. It was a church in decline. It was a church that was not putting God first. Uh, it was a church that was, they thought they were rich, but they were poor. And so he said to the church of the Laodiceans, write this. These things says the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Uh, the beginning here speaks of our Savior's headship over all of it. He is the one who is responsible for it all. He is the headship of the body, the church. I was asked yesterday, uh, about denominations and 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 do one of the uh, patrolmen that I wrote, that I ride with was was trying to figure out how churches worked and and how religion works and how Christianity is different from religion and he talked about the church structure and we talked about denominations and how that this church uh, is the corporation holds title but the church the head of the church is Jesus Christ he is absolutely the head of the church. We have no denominational leader. We have no Baptist pope anywhere. We have no Baptist preacher that's some kind of ultimate authority. We have the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of the body, the church. In Ephesians 1, and he has put all things under his feet, under Christ's feet, and gave him to be the head over all things in the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that fits all in all. So we are parts. And that's why in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul uh, talks about, in fact, uh, the different parts of a body, the different parts of our anatomy, the arm, the ear, the, the head, the, the feet, the uh, whatever it is, that we're all parts. We all are put together to make this body function in the way that would be pleasing to the Lord. Uh, whatever part you play is important. And we may think that the part we play is behind the scenes and unimportant, and that's not the case at all. You know what? We wouldn't be able to meet here if we didn't have people in the nursery right now. At least we wouldn't be able to meet without screaming memes. Uh, and we wouldn't be able to teach the boys and girls without teachers, and we wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to hear very well without the sound people and without uh, people putting the words on the screen. You wouldn't be able to follow along necessarily. <clears throat> so it takes all parts of the body of Christ. It's not just... Uh, it's just the ones who sing or the ones who preach, <clears throat> the ones who stand up front. But it's all of those who are doing the part that God has made them to do, realizing that Christ is the head of the body and we constitute the body. Secondly, is the headship of regenerated Jews and Gentiles. Uh, we, we become one, whether Jew or Gentile, male or female, uh, slave or free, we become one in Christ. We become one family. So in Galatians 3.28, there's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ. We are all of equal value to the Lord. Uh, he, Christ died for all of us. Christ died in order that we might live, and, and he is the absolute head of all regenerated Jews and Gentiles. He's also the head of creation. This speaks of his power and his dignity. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, verse 15, Christ Jesus, who is the exact image of the invisible God, the firstborn, not first created, but the one who created everyone, the originator of everything else, of every creature. He is the head uh, of that. He's, he's the image 
or the reflection of the invisible God. He's the exact replication of God. He is uh, like a mirror image of the Father in a sense. He, everything that God the Father is, Jesus Christ is as well. Then there's the headship of every person, his lordship. He is absolute master of all. Uh, Adonai, you remember several weeks ago we talked about Adonai. He's the master. He's the owner. We are doulos servants, uh, slaves, servants. And by the way, whatever masters you is who you are a servant of and what you're a servant of. And everybody here has a master of some kind. It may be yourself. It may be putting yourself on the throne of your life. It may be that you're the most important person as far as you're concerned in the whole world. But a Christian is to recognize that that God is the most important person. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. He is our sustainer. He is our all in all. He is the one who so loved us that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He is the one who has redeemed us. He redeemed us not with money, not with silver, not with gold. He redeemed us with the precious blood of his son on the old rugged cross as he died bleeding for you and for me. It's the very least we owe him is our complete service to him. Is our, our, we need to be uh, the doulos servant of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and not let something else control us. So he's, he's the absolute head of every person. I would have you to know, 1 Corinthians eleven three that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. And this created order was divinely created by Almighty God. But then we move into one of the reasons I kept this message for this week uh, in Matthew chapter 12, verse 18, because he is the beloved. Jesus is the beloved. Behold, my father's servant, equivalent to the doulos or slave, whom I have chosen, my beloved. God calls Jesus his beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry. And this, this refers to the fact that he has a humble spirit. Neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flax shall he not quench. And that speaks, sounds kind of strange to us, but it speaks of his meekness, because what's more fragile than a broken reed or a smoldering wick? And he'll do so until he send forth judgment unto victory. And in his name shall the Gentiles trust. He is the beloved of God. God so loved his son. God so loved him that he gave him in, his, in spite of that. I was telling somebody just the other day, I, I've got one son. I don't know if I could sacrifice him for anybody. I don't know if I could give him for anybody. I, I can't imagine giving up my son, uh, him dying for someone else and and to kind of make things worse, imagine if he were to die for someone who didn't even appreciate it, didn't even want the, the act of kindness and the love. And yet Jesus Christ hung on that cross for every one of us who love him back, but for everyone who rejects him. He died for the lost just as assuredly as he died for the saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loved everybody. And, and I can't imagine God going through this, giving his son, and then having to turn his back on his son as he hung there suspended between heaven and earth on that cross because upon Jesus' shoulders were placed your sins and mine. 
he is the beloved by God. And this passage in Matthew chapter 12 is actually a quote from Isaiah chapter 42 when, when there, um, the, the Messiah is said to be the, the servant slave of Jehovah and, and the very things that he wrote about uh, that the New Testament writer writes about in Matthew 12 is found written in Isaiah. He that created the heavens and stretched them out, uh, he that spread forth the earth and the com what comes out of it and he gives breath unto people upon it and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand and will keep you and give you for a covenant of the people, for a light to the Gentiles. So Jesus was that light. Jesus came meekly. Jesus came obediently. Jesus came mercifully. And he, because he was the beloved, he was the one sent by God to go ahead and to be the sacrifice for all of humanity. Um, in the New Testament, we find the, the parable uh, in, of the householder uh, who had land and he had some people living there to take care of it. And he would send at the harvest time uh, to get the benefit of the harvest. And uh, they would abuse the servants who came. They would abuse the, the people who would come to get the, the, uh, the, the proceeds from the, uh, from the harvest. And, and they would send them back, reject them, and then they would catch them, and some of them they would kill. So the householder says, I think what I'll do is I'll send my son. Surely they'll respect him, and surely they'll listen to him. They'll give him what is owed to us. And so he sent his son, and instead of giving, uh, rendering unto him the benefits of the harvest, they slew him. They, they killed him, thinking that if we kill him, then all of this will be ours. We won't have to give it to the homeowner. And what happened was exactly that. Over the, the period of, of, of the ages, prophets would come, and they would be abused. Prophets would be rejected. Prophets would be killed. Finally, God says, I'm going to send my only begotten son. They'll hear him. But when he came and preached the message of repentance, and preached the message of salvation by grace through faith. They slew him. And it was the religious leaders who slew him. You realize that, right? It was the religious leaders who put him on the cross. Pilate wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing. Pilate didn't want anything to do with it. The political leaders said, in fact, his wife, he should have listened to his wife, guys. There's a lesson there, okay? He should have listened to his wife. She said, don't have anything to do with this guy. A lot of elbows are moving right now. I see that. Uh, don't have anything to do with him. I've had a terrible dream because of him. But don't, 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 just let him go. And Pilate said to the religious crowd, you do what you want to, basically. And he washed his hands, tried to wash his hands of the blood of Christ. And they took him out and they crucified him. I guess thinking, if we kill him, then we can be our own masters finally at last. But they found out it didn't work that way. He's the beloved. He's also the beloved son. In Matthew 3 and Luke chapter 3, a voice from heaven. When Jesus was baptized, when Jesus went down into the water and John baptized him by immersing him in that water, the Holy Spirit came upon him in the form of a dove and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He's not just the beloved, he's the beloved son. It was revealed to Mary in the sixth month. The angel Gabriel was sent from God under a city of Galilee named Nazareth. I hope we never tire of this story. 
to a virgin espoused of a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with you. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. And she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. She wasn't married at this point. She was betrothed. She wasn't married. She did not have any intimate relations with her husband. And yet the angel saying, you're going to conceive. You're going to bear a child. And his name will be called Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give him unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. So it was revealed to Mary. And again, we've talked about how incredible that must have been. Uh, ladies, if you can for a moment try to imagine as a young lady, unmarried, uninvolved with any men whatsoever, all of a sudden having an angel appear to you and, and give that announcement. How incredible is that? And how amazing was Mary in her reception of that word of God? And then it was revealed to Joseph because Joseph was quite frankly having a difficult time right about now. He was like, you're what? By whom? Are you kidding me? Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with child of, out of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. You see, the, what he could have done is had her put to death. Could have had her stoned to death under Mosaic law because the assumption was she's been unfaithful. She's pregnant. Joseph says, I know I didn't have anything to do with it. So she has broken our marriage covenant, even though they weren't living together yet. That betrothal was as strong and as binding as a marriage covenant. And so he could have had her put to death, but he didn't want to. While he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel which is being interpreted, God with us. This was God's beloved son. This also was Mary's beloved son. This also was Joseph's beloved, if I can say it this way, stepson. He was loved. You know why? Because he first loved us. He first loved Mary. He first loved Joseph. He loved them enough to reveal to them what was going on, what was going to be happening. And God loves us enough that he gives us the word of God. He's given us the gospel. Most of us have heard the gospel, maybe, maybe from the time you were a little bitty. You had a mom or a dad who taught you the word of God. You had a preacher who stood before you and taught you the word of God. You had a Sunday school teacher who took an interest in you and, and made sure you were faithful to church and got you there and got the word of God. You were beloved by someone. And because you were beloved, then you learned how to love unless we're 
we understand the love of God, I doubt that we really understand what love is at all because his love for us is unconditional. Say, preacher, do you ever mess up? Oh, yeah. Does God love you anyhow? Yes, he does. I've got three children. They mess up. I love them anyhow. I've got three grandchildren. They don't mess up. <laughs> so I love them anyhow. Sometimes you think, you know, I've messed up so bad God couldn't possibly love me. I've known people like that, had people like that in my churches where they just feel like they couldn't possibly be loved. And, and some of that, I find out in some counseling situations, goes back to having a mom or dad that didn't express love to them, that couldn't express love to them in, in the right way, or at least they didn't choose to. I think, I think times have changed. I think, it's, I, I think they used to be more difficult for some reason, maybe for dads to express love. Uh, maybe they thought, I don't know what, thought it was a sign of weakness, thought it was something that women and girls do. I, I, I don't know. But I've had so many guys tell me, my, I never heard the words from my dad that I love you. Or maybe they weren't able to please their parents. Their parents were perfectionists, so their parents... Um, just didn't know how to compliment them or didn't know how to how to encourage them. And, and so they were always falling short and they're always feeling like they weren't really loved. And maybe it goes back to that, but I've got to tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done. Look, God loved the Apostle Paul before he was the Apostle Paul. God loved Paul when he was Saul. And when Saul was going about from place to place, he was arresting people like you and me. He was putting them in chains and putting them in prison. He held the coats and the jackets and the sweaters of people who picked up stones and killed the first Christian martyr, Stephen. I mean, this was a guy who was down on Christians. He was, he was the Madeline Murray O'Hare. He, 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 he was the arch uh, enemy of all Christians everywhere. And he was going to Damascus to have them have some more put in jail, have some more perhaps put to death. And God met him on the road, and Jesus revealed himself. And with that shining bright light, he, he revealed that he was the Lord and that he, was, uh, th that he was there for him, that he loved him. God loved David. My, uh, I know sometimes we say, well, David was a man after God's own heart, yet he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And how could he possibly be a man after God's own heart? God loved him way before he committed adultery. God loved him when he was just a young lad. God loved him. And God loves you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what our past said. It doesn't matter how much we've disappointed God. He was, he's quick to forgive us. He's quick to cleanse us. He's quick. That's what one of the things communion is all about. It's for us to say as individuals, Lord, I've failed. God, I, I have these thoughts. I've said these things. I, I, I've thought these things. I've done these things. And Lord, I, I feel... Uh, I feel dirty, I feel unworthy, and we are, by the way, we are unworthy. We're unworthy of the unleavened bread that's representative of the broken body of Christ. We're unworthy of the vine, the fruit of the vine that's representative of his shed blood. We're absolutely unworthy. But Christ is the one who tells us to eat and to drink anyhow, and he's the one who tells us to examine ourselves through the writings of the Apostle Paul. And so 
30 years after, 30 some years, maybe 33 years or so after this angel came to Mary and this angel came to Joseph and explained that the beloved son was going to come and that they were going to have a part in raising him. 30 some years later, an illegal court convened with the high priest of Israel presiding. Charges were levied against Jesus by false witnesses. And because the false witnesses were confused and couldn't even agree with each other but contradicted themselves, the high priest, out of frustration, finally turns to Jesus and says, I adjure thee by the living God, tell me whether or not thou be the Christ, the Son of God. I adjure thee by the living God. I ask you under oath, tell me whether or not you are the Messiah. Are you the one we're to look for? Are you the one? Are you claiming to be the one who would be the son of almighty God? Jesus' answer was unequivocal. He said, thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, here and after you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power, coming in the clouds of heaven. I am, in other words, the beloved son of almighty God. And as a result of his answer, the high priest wrongfully condemned him and he endured the cross and was buried and rose again on the third day. By the way, I, I like to say this every year, Christ never commanded us to celebrate his birth, but he has commanded us to celebrate his death and resurrection. Because it's through his death and resurrection that our salvation is secured. His body would be broken as a result. His blood would be spilled. And by these things, the Lord's Supper analogy was confirmed. So if you know Jesus Christ today as your beginning and your end, the most important, the first, the last, the alpha through omega, the A through Z, if you know him that way, if you know him as the creator, the one who created everything that is, if you know him as the son and the beloved son, then we invite you to the Lord's table with us. But before we do that, we're gonna pray. And when we pray, I want you to pray, first of all, if you're not converted, if you're not born again, if you're not sure your sins are forgiven and you're God's child, I want you to pray a, a prayer. To, it doesn't have to be elaborate. It's no particular prayer to pray. Just, just asking him to be your savior, forgive you your sin, and to, to wash you and make you clean. Or maybe you need to pray for rededication. Maybe you know you're walking away from the Lord. You haven't been walking with him like you once did. The, the Bible studies are not as, as, as eventful as they once were. The, the prayer time is not as alive as it once was. You need to be rededicated to God. Or maybe you need to pray to forgive someone who's wronged you, somebody who's hurt you, somebody who's offended you, forgive them. The Bible says if we want him to forgive us, we've, not, we've got to be willing to forgive those who hurt us and offend us. And then pray that God would restore you. So let's do that right now. Let's bow in a word of prayer as our praise team comes to the front. Just take a few moments, talk to God. You know what your need is, so ask him right now.
I pray for each person in this congregation this morning. I pray, Lord, that we would draw closer to you than we've ever been in this moment. I pray that we'd realize that this cup and this bread represents something very precious. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The beginning of the creation of God, the beloved Son. It represents your love for us. So, Father, in a moment, we pray that we would partake of this and in sense judge sin in our lives. Forgive it of our sins and forsake that sin, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you do not receive communion elements and you would like to get those right now, would ask you to do me a favor, would ask you to stand and, or not stand, but rather to raise your hand and we'll get these things to you right away. with his disciples for the very last time in that upper room they were observing Passover together he reached onto the Passover table and picked up the unleavened bread the unleavened bread without yeast is a symbol of a body that was without sin the body of our Savior it says for I have received of the Lord that which I also delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus in the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. Our Father in heaven, we give thanks for the body of Jesus Christ, the body that was pure, undefiled, and perfect. Nevertheless, the body that was nailed to that old rugged cross, paying the price for every wicked deed, every wicked word, every wicked thought that we all of us have ever had. And I'm so grateful for that body and the perfection of it. In Jesus' name, amen. He said, take heed, this is my body broken for you. Do so in remembrance of me. After the same manner, he took the cup. And he said, the cup is New Testament, my blood. This do as, you, as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we're so grateful for the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Lord, we realize we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But we're so grateful for the willingness that Christ had to give of it. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless our walk with you, our fellowship with each other. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. He said, take drink. And then the Bible says they sang a hymn. They went out into the Mount of Olives. So I'd like for us to stand together and to join hands as much as possible, as much as you're willing to do so. And let's sing the chorus of thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you for being here today.